Back everyone, we're glad you've joined us here at the Sound Logic Podcast, and today we are discussing album number fifty-six on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top Five Hundred Greatest Albums of All Time, which is the self-titled debut by Elvis Presley. Well, it's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and I go, can't go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. I thought really there was only one way to introduce this episode to stay. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go cat go. <laughs> I would prefer to just let the king himself do that. <laughs> you don't want to step on my blue suede shoes? <laughs> no. I don't okay. want to step on anybody's, <laughs> anybody's uh, blue suede shoes. <laughs> no, nothing at all. In fact, I'm counting on you to take over here. Okay. That was, that was another. That's another song. Song oh, title. All right, sure, sure enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've listened to this album, right? I have. I have. <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of different things that we could talk about about this record, but not many of the things that I want to talk about are about the music on this record, which is kind of strange. <laughs> and I, I want to say that I want to say that up front because I'm wondering. Uh, you know, as we begin to record this episode, if it's going to end up sounding somewhat different from other episodes that we've done, and it's for many of the reasons I think that I uh, am wondering that. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure how to begin this one. I don't know. Um, neither of us grew up listening to this. Uh, this is an album that both no. of us listened to for the first time as we've journeyed through this project. So We have listened to the Sun Sessions. Mm. which came up very early on the list, number 11. And that was a collection of recordings that were recorded before this debut album. So some of them were singles and some of them were previously unreleased. And that collection came out in 1976. That's really because, again, I'm not an Elvis fan. I didn't grow up listening to Elvis. I know a couple of the hits. I don't really know how his career grew and evolved and changed and you know all the very famous live concerts he did and live from hawaii aloha from hawaii and all i'm not familiar with that so the sun session is really my only reference which is probably good because that's the earliest stuff and then this is comes right after i kind of expected it would be a little more like rockabilly a little more up tempo than some of that stuff yeah and more like hound dog i know hound dog's not on this album but that's a very familiar one to me, so that's what I thought it would be like. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Sun Sessions. I, I, I know we've we've gone back and forth and around and around about compilation albums. Having listened to this album now and knowing some of what's on it, uh, I, I think I w- would have been much more interested in this one being up there in the place of the Sun Sessions, but maybe that'll come later in our uh, reviews of this album. We'll, we'll get to that. Whether it's place here is <laughs> deserving. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we'll get to that. Jump right <laughs> Should we just jump jump right into details and uh, and see what comes out of all that? Let's uh, let's do some details. 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 So this album was released March twenty third, nineteen fifty six. Uh, and by just a few weeks, this is the third oldest release on the Rolling Stone 500. We've talked about this before, uh, that there is some music that's older, but in terms of when this album was released, this is the third oldest. The other two are both Frank Sinatra, and the second oldest came out just a few weeks prior to this album. Usually we say this album was written by, you know, the artist or the band. Uh, This album was written by various artists and songwriters. Uh, None of them are named Elvis Presley. And no two songs on this album were written by the same person. Uh, They're all (laughs) written by different artists and songwriters. Many had been, and we'll discuss some of them perhaps, many had been popular singles by artists previously. So in in essence, his debut album is all covers. 
because I don't know that any of these songs were written for Elvis. I think many of them were hits uh, from just within the last two or three years of this album coming out. Some of them were songs from the 30s or 40s, uh, from country and western. But again, through most of Elvis's career, songs were written for him or were rearranged for him. Uh, he was not a songwriter that I'm aware of. Unless that happens later in his career, again, I'm not as familiar. This album uh, did very well in the charts. Number one in the U.S. and the U.K., it's certified platinum in the U.S., which is one million, and I also read that it had sold a million units by the end of that year. Wow! So it came out in March, and by the end of 1956, had sold a million units in the U.K., which is this was the first rock and roll anything, basically, uh, yeah. in terms of these num. Sorry, not ever, but in terms of these numbers, he was the first rock and roll artist to you know to hit a million copies the first rock and roll artist to uh, have a, a billboard top 200 number one on the pop charts you know because he was the first rock famous mainstream rock and roll artist i guess it's kind of when the the f- phrase started becoming a genre anyways i don't want to get into that too much now we'll get there i think it's important to note and we will talk about this more of these 12 songs, which were all written by different people, six of them were written by African-American artists and songwriters. The other six were almost entirely white men, usually uh, country and western artists from the 40s and 50s. So they were songs there, but but half of them are from African-American and, and sometimes from like the R&B and blues genre. We'll circle back to that in a little bit. Yeah sort of amazing that it did so well kind of before albums really emerged as the the main way people were listening to music and i guess that points to just the magnitude of elvis right we're not into the you know prime album moment yet and yes and and yet like you said what did you say a million albums in the first week first yeah uh, first year no the first year by the end of the year year. it hit a million yeah, which I think is a million albums for the first year, which is very significant. It's impressive, just in general, but especially trying to imagine back in time to, you know, before albums were the main source of people buying music. Uh, yeah, that's especially impressive. Well, and I think this is the early era of the LP, the long playing record. So technology. Yeah. I can't remember when the first LP was. It might have been earlier in the 50s. Uh, But we've talked about a few other artists from this era. Ray Charles. We talked about Little Richard's debut album, which came out, I think, in 57. And he and Elvis had a similar thing where they had released, and Ray Charles had released a lot of music previously, but were just singles or there were... Sometimes a record company would release the sounds of soul or whatever, the sounds of rock or newest sounds from RCA. And there'd be a few different artists on, on, a, on a single, you know, maybe one song on the front by one artist and one on the back. And it was more about the label, the music, the record company showcasing their artists. Like, here's who we have. It wasn't that any artists had their own album. It was just whatever music the record company was putting out. So, again, this is this album is still very early in the LP game. And, again, it's very new technology. Even when we talked about the Beatles' first American album, and we talked with our friend Anne, she said all they ever had of the Beatles previously, and this is in the 60s, a few years after this Elvis album comes out, they had singles where they had one or two or maybe three songs to sit down and listen to a whole album all at once, have like six or seven songs and flip it over and have another six was just like an immense amount of music compared to what they had had before. So even in the early sixties, the LP is still, especially for young people, it was a lot of money to get an LP. So you still just did buy a lot of singles, but I think Elvis, I think we could say, uh, without doing a ton of research, it was one of the first LPs and one of the first very popular LPs. And because it's an LP and it's so much bigger, you get the opportunity to put a very large picture (laughs) on the front of that sleeve. We have the album cover for this, which is 
pretty nifty black and white photo of Elvis with his guitar uh, performing, mouth open, eyes closed. You know, singing a very uh, obviously a very a very young version of Elvis. I think the Elvis that most of us picture in our mind is probably early '60s, mid '60s Elvis. This is a very very young Elvis. And then the lettering. I don't know much about graphic design in the mid '50s, but <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of a cartoon where the letters kind of bounce in and they're all kind of on different angles. What cartoon am I thinking of, Ben? Where uh, all the letters come in? I don't know why I'm thinking of the Jetsons, but like, do you know what I mean? It makes me think of like Green Acres or something. Like um, the medley as the show starts up is sort of the sort of comically blocky. Yeah. Letters. They're, they're blocky, but they're cut on different angles. It's it's strange. It is almost cartoony. So it's Elvis going from top to bottom on the left side in pink, and then from left to right below that, Presley in green, almost a mint, maybe a little darker than mint green. Uh, so the the letters really pop. Uh, and then the I found interesting too the little stamp on the top right that says RCA Victor. Uh, is green and pink as well in the same colors. It's I know this is backwards, but it's hard for me not to think about um, the Clash's London Calling because they took <laughs> they took this design and used the same colors and lettering on London Calling uh, to match this Elvis Presley debut. Yeah, it feels a little odd to be in this order because uh, you know almost <laughs> I was almost going to make some. <laughs> half sarcastic joke about oh elvis ripped off the clash um <laughs> in the order don't of do the that list, uh, yeah yeah but i wonder how many people uh who were buying the clash album would have recognized that as elvis like whether that was the music their their parents had or grew up with or I de- it wouldn't have been their music because they're 20 years removed from it so they would have been familiar like ah that's elvis's you know debut album or whether they wouldn't recognize it at all i'm not sure i'm sure i'm sure it must have been recognizable (laughs) you would think so right like well i didn't know but i mean i'm even another you know 30 years removed from that so anyways uh (laughs) one of the things that made elvis so popular early on is just his his um his allure and his appearance like he was very you know he's a young attractive uh, charismatic performer dangerous enough that you know, young girls are swooning to him safe enough that their parents allow them to <laughs> buy his albums, some of them, and, and go to the concerts. I think that's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Maybe some some girls were not allowed to go. <laughs> I know that his some of his um, dance moves were censored on TV shows, and he was only shot from the from the waist up. Uh, as to not show his, <laughs> his his lower half doing those evocative dance moves with his hips, but uh, right. anyways, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it kind of captures you know that early early Elvis feel where where he's playing guitar there. I think so. I yeah, I think it's got a r- great raw emotion to it. I, I it's definitely not posed. You know, we've we've tackled some covers that really just look like the artist is holding their instrument and smiling at the camera. This is yeah. clearly done while he's performing. Yeah. Yeah. It looks candid. There, there's, there's someone in the background um, that their face is kind of cut out of the frame. It may be his guitarist or another musician on stage. So it, yeah, it's very much a candid shot. Track listing. Perfect. Side one, uh, blue suede shoes. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready and I go, can't go, but don't I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you, dear. The I got a woman. Well, I got a woman. We cross paths. One-sided love affair. I love you because. Just because. Well, 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 that's because you think you're so pretty. And just because your mama thinks you're hot. Side two begins with Tutti Fruity. Wah, babaloo, wah, blah, bam, boom. Tutti Fruity. Oh, Rudy. Tutti Fruity. Oh, Rudy. Tutti Fruity. Oh, Rudy. 
trying to get to you. Baby, trying to get to you. I'm going to sit right down and cry over you. I'm going to sit right down and cry over you. I'm going to sit right down and cry over you. I'll never let you go, little darling. I'll never let you go. Blue Moon. Blue Moon. You saw me standing alone. And Money Honey. Now, I think it's important to note, as we've talked about many of the releases in the 50s and 60s, there were often very differing track listings when it came to uh, between the, specifically the US and the UK. Sometimes Canada as well, but usually those two. Usually there were different record companies that had the distribution rights. So that was the U.S. release, but the U.K. release was quite different. In fact, six tracks were different. I'll read through it very quickly. I won't do all the snippets. Uh, Blue Suede Shoes, I Got a Woman, I'm Counting on You, I'm Left, You're Right, She's Gone. That's different. That's All Right. Money, Honey. So that's side one. And then side two is Mystery Train. I'm going to sit right down and cry over you, trying to get to you, one-sided love affair. Lottie, Miss Claudie, and Shake, Rattle, and Roll. So there's a lot of different tunes. And I want to make one more note uh, before we get into some of our impressions on the music. Between those two different listings, a number of those tracks have already appeared on the Rolling Stone list because they were on the Sun Sessions. Because some of these tracks were from those recordings with sun records before he was actually his contract was bought by rca victor for thirty-five thousand dollars, which was a pretty big deal back then um and then so i love you because just because blue moon and then from the uk release that's all right mystery train and i'm left you're right she's gone were also on the sun sessions released from 76 so again, we just talked about this with the Beatles, and again with the with this Elvis, we have the exact same recording appearing on more than one album on this 500 list. <laughs> That's amazing. It's something. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're listening to some. I I didn't think that within the first 60 we'd be listening to the same songs more than right <laughs> like yeah. I, and i don't mean like a cover i mean the exact same recording <laughs> it's kind of interesting That's amazing uh, or it points to that kind of era too right where great music might be being made by a smaller artist but if you're big you're gonna re-record it and make it your own you know in a i think in a pretty smart very capitalist kind of sense right like you know if something's popular and i'm more successful and bigger I'll just do my version. It'll sell even more than yours. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how they got around copyright, if it was ever considered, or if any kind of royalties ever trickled down to some of the smaller artists that he covered. But uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting and, and telling of a certain kind of era. One of the things that both you and I noticed right away, and pretty much anyone would, uh, especially considering just two albums ago, we covered Ray Charles... And the third track on this album is I Got a Woman, which is Ray Charles' hit <laughs> from just two years previous. And so I listened to that and thought, that's interesting. And then side two starts with Tutti Frutti, which was a Little Richard hit from the same year, which which he wrote. Both were <laughs> written by those artists. So I want to talk about that a little bit, and I'm not really sure where exactly I want to go with this. Um, I was listening to it, and my wife asked me the question, hang on a sec. So are you telling me that on Elvis's first record, he just stole music from up-and-coming successful black musicians? <laughs> and I said, well, first of all, I can't say that he stole it because I don't know that he stole it, and I want to assume that for most or all of these that they bought the rights or at least had permission. I don't know. Um, and I'm not even sure how I researched that. I'm sure because a lot of artists were doing this that they had some sort of arrangement. I would expect, expect based on the success of this album and the massive 
success of Elvis's career, uh, they were not compensated proportionally <laughs> to <laughs> that success. But that's not really the point. Um, I think what bothered me and my wife and uh, maybe you as well is that you have artists who have created their own music are up and coming and very popular in their own circles and then another artist who who looks more like the majority of people who will be buying this music and thus driving this into the mainstream uh, he's the one who makes this music popular and he's the one who gets the career now certainly ray charles and little richard had very successful long impressive careers yet this man is the king of rock and roll um because he sang their songs and reached the audience that was very much in control of the industry of the economy etc etc so i know this is sounding very cynical and fairly political but it's kind of (laughs) reflects what's happening in the world right now certainly uh south of the border where you have been and i don't mean to get into that too much however it like we've said before it's hard to discuss things and not put them into the context of where the world you're living in right now the world we're living in right now or certainly in the usa is very much torn and there's a lot of turmoil and it is centered around these racial issues so uh i guess that's that's it 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 just it just it was a challenge for me to 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 approach this so i'm curious as to what you would want to say about that yeah i don't know that we need to apologize for making it political because i think this is a perfect example of the internalized white supremacy of this uh, of this country the united states and and really a lot of the western world the sort of mentality that uh we take culture being created other places and and um, literally whitewash it and and make it more successful that way these covers this album of covers essentially are not that far removed from the original sound like it's not like um it's not like he's doing a uh, unplugged version of all of the uh, originals or or a reggae version of all the originals or like he's 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 ripping it pretty straight his voice obviously sounds a little a little bit unique and different but um yeah. and maybe there might be some slight tempo but it, it's the same genre for sure as as the songs that he's borrowing from and and it's pretty on the nose i was just thinking today there's um uh, some some viral video, uh, viral social media posts of uh, some white supremacists protesting the Black Lives Matter movement, and there's a row of police officers kind of protecting them while they do this. So we're in this moment where black people, people of color, are deeply traumatized by the way they've been treated over time. People who are known to speak. Uh, with racism in what they do are being protected by the people for whom these protests are often pointed at. And we just continue on as if we don't even see the, the irony, the, the backwardsness. And so I like, yeah, I, I agree that it, you know, as soon as you get political, I, I think there might be some people who turn this episode off, but I, I'm kind of tired of, of trying to walk that line. I've been, frustrated with the sort of tone policing of this moment that we're in where people are like you know we all just gotta take a deep breath we all just gotta uh, you know calm down really uh, is that how we is that how we create a better a better world or a better context is by just um to having a timeout um <laughs> that's the uh i guess the very first step in riot control you know just exactly yeah just just calm just calm down if you're well if you're not speaking out then this won't won't escalate anymore and it can just be over and those are the words from the side that's in power right no one on the other side is saying just calm down they're saying yeah stop doing this this is awful uh in this case you're killing us um this needs to stop right um and the other side says whoa 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 calm down you know like that's that's (laughs) that's not 
That's not how change happens. In my opinion, that's how people stay in control. Uh, They don't address the situation. They just suppress the protest. And I think that we, one way of reading Elvis would be to say, well, you know, that's a context and a culture that didn't quite understand whitewashing. There was an assumed superiority there. And so let's, let's throw them a bit of a bone because... You know, he didn't know necessarily how future generations might perceive this sort of <laughs> blatant ripping off of uh, of the artist. But uh, man, like he grew up, he grew up in the South. Um, this album comes out a year after Emmett Till was essentially uh, lynched in Mississippi because he looked at a white woman the wrong way, a young fourteen-year-old boy. And at the trial for his death, all three of the men were accused, were let off the hook. They all admitted later on that they did it and no one ever came for them. So this is not like, I don't know. I I can feel my heart rate getting faster <laughs> right now. So I need to probably step down off my soapbox. But I, like, I, I think we do a disservice to the history of this country when we try and soften it by saying, well, they, they just didn't know or... They didn't have our modern eyes, or I think they knew, and I think I think there was an understanding of the the level of our society and the the power dynamics. They may not have uh, been aware that it was possible to change that. It may have been an assumption that you know this is just the way it's always going to be, just the way it is, how it is. We're here, you're there. That's the way it is. And I I think it's healthy. I don't think we should throw this out i don't think we should say okay well so elvis ripped everyone off let's not engage this i think it's really healthy especially the way we've done it especially because many of the artists that he is borrowing from we've already tackled on this list uh we i think we're doing ourselves a favor in the order that we have done this and that we can see some of the flaws in celebrating elvis and and so we can hold that intention i think in a much healthier way than I think back to the movie that has come up more than any other on this uh, podcast, sort of simplified history version that Forrest Gump offers us. <laughs> yeah. A white guy found a guitar, could shake his hips and everyone went crazy. Yes, that's all true. And there's this other layer to it as well. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and that's, that's been my challenge right away because like I, I might not have known. Well, I mean, uh, I got a woman and Tutti Frutti certainly are very well-known songs, but I might I might not have known all this. But I had to look at some of the on- other songwriters to see because I didn't recognize all the names because they're not all overly famous people. But holy smokes, it's half it's half of the track listing is African American people. But my big challenge was okay. I'm a little conflicted because I'm seeing some of this um, reappropriation of the of the music that was coming out of of the the black culture and taking hey you know we can put our spin on this with just the legacy that elvis did leave behind that he he did become you know at least crowned by some as the uh, by many as the king of rock and roll and yep as live uh lives on in many people's memory as one of the greatest performers to ever exist i i do not want to argue against that because I think that's true. That all happened. And he definitely left a mark on music and culture and many things. And and that's real. And that's true. But I do agree with you. And that's I think you're helping me walk through this, which is one of the other great things. When we talk about this, we, we it's also a little bit of almost self-help. It's a counseling session that we then um, force other people to listen to. Uh, <laughs> You know, we it's it is important and healthy to address where it came from, and yeah. to me, it's it. I I another conversation I had with my wife in preparation is is Elvis the first manufactured pop star? I'm speaking purely out of ignorance here, but I would guess he's got to be one of the first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look like some of the other artists that we've already talked about like they were writing their own songs that yes they had producers and they had labels but elvis i mean he was his contract was bought because they saw his you know value as a as a performer and as an image 
yeah. not because of his value yeah. necessarily as a musician or or I'll say at very least not a songwriter because he didn't write any of these songs and I don't think he wrote very many at all later in his career um, if any yeah um, his his as a performer as a singer yes he did play acoustic guitar but I don't think he was particularly known and a lot of the guitar that's featured on this album is the electric guitar which is not Elvis it's uh, someone else so I think very much he was groomed and he was chosen and manufactured to be a big star and then they take the music that they want that they see well this this is picking up in the you know the underground radio let's grab that and they take that and again mm-hmm. they may have bought it and fairly paid for it at the time but still it he takes that and then makes it uh whatever you want to call it, whitewashed popular mainstream certainly very profitable and you can say well mike that's not a big deal or that's just the way it is but i think it's important to address it and at least recognize it and understand because we talked about it even before i think when we talked about the sun sessions you know people say well that was the birth of rock and roll when elvis first played you know that one song in the studio and then other people you say like well you know that's taken all from music made in the early 60s and or early 50s by other groups i feel good about not being ignorant to it and i think it's important to recognize where it comes from but also to say that well we can't deny the fact that elvis took it to another place and then other artists absolutely took it to another place this is the birth of rock and roll but then let's listen to the beatles just a decade later and then just a couple years after that let's listen to led zeppelin and how much rock and roll then went and blossomed and evolved on its own from this which is to me just tremendous to me that's one of the most impressive things that he's singing blue suede shoes and then you know the beatles are singing you know their stuff especially the stuff in the mid 60s like less than a decade later just blows my mind that that comes from this so fast so anyways no i like that and well and i don't know how you felt about elvis but my mom especially would often look at sort of later elvis pictures where he he's got kind of glassy eyes or he's looks a little bloated or something and she'd yeah. always sort of have a sad look on her face like you know what a waste uh you know and sort of fame and fortune just eats him up and right in some ways i think he becomes even more of a tragic figure in my mind that like he's sort of force-fed this music by industry insiders who knows how uh how much how complicit he was in the theft of this music right like it might just Mm. be you know the machine kind of like pushing him to toward this uh, because he was a manufactured pop star as you described it right and i think that makes his demise even even sadder too like he probably at times felt a little bit like a fraud like capitalizing off of everyone else's songwriting talent prestige yeah it's interesting and i i think that there's a way to sort of then treat elvis with a bit of uh uh, respect i guess too to not say he alone was responsible for <laughs> right yeah the way he's yep. been categorized in music history but a social sort of problem too yeah there's a couple of things there the one thing that i have been wrestling with with is why does it bother me so much that he didn't write any of the music yeah uh, he he sang it all. He performed it. He's the one who did it. Why does it bother me yep. that he didn't create it? Regardless of who wrote it. We've already talked about that part of it. Regardless of who wrote it, why does that bother me? I'm not. I'm still not sure, but one of the things, I guess, in terms of the music we've already listened to so far, 55 albums, the vast majority of that, every album, with a few exceptions... Us, and I mean single songs on some of those albums are all written by the artists who are performing it I guess there's something kind of number one impressive about that but number two it just it just seems natural that that artist is expressing what they've created and should it really bother me that I mean Elvis is still expressing himself it's his voice it's his performance um, he's doing it yeah, yeah, but I I feel the same way. 
<laughs> it does bother me. I'm just not sure why it bothers me so much. Yeah, and he's not the first. I I don't feel as bad about like, you know, let's see, what's a good example? The band singing a Bob Dylan song. Well, we've seen some songs on some albums that you know they're they did twelve tunes and one or two of them were covers. But even those, like, they are majorly arranged differently. We talked about and especially, like, Tutti Frutti is almost a straight lift. Like, there's nothing different yeah. about the style. And I Got a Woman is, like, is sounds a little more country, like a little more rockabilly. Um, but Tutti Frutti is, like, just almost identical in terms of tempo and rhythm. Um, the only really big difference is Elvis's voice, so... And, and I yeah. feel like when I say that, like there's like a whole several generations of Elvis fans who would probably want to have my podcast kicked off the airwaves for saying that. <laughs> and that I feel like I'm yeah. supposed to appreciate and respect the king of rock and roll more than this. And and there, there's an aspect of the aspect I go, wait, hold on. He didn't write any of this. You know, like when I first kind of read that, right? wait, yeah. he didn't make this. <laughs> I don't know. It's again, it's something that I've struggled with. We haven't really talked yeah. about how we feel about the sound of the music. <laughs> Is that something we we need to talk about? <laughs> um, I guess we could. Uh, one more thing to add to the pile of uh, whatever we're doing right now with him. I <laughs> I think it's interesting to think about. Uh, through history, you know, you're right. We we went through an era in Elvis's time. I think about other early American singers like Frank Sinatra, I think, would have sung other people's music a lot too. And right. even yeah. a lot of early bands, e- even the Beatles, a lot of their early stuff is, is covers. Um, and then we move into a sort of prolific uh, phase where the artistry and the crafting of the song becomes lifted up and so you know a huge chunk then of the the music made in the late 60s 70s uh 80s too i guess becomes um held up for not only the performance but the crafting of it but then i think Mm -hmm. as as sort of pop music generic pop kind of takes off in the 80s into the 90s you start to see a return to the songwriter behind the scenes feeding the biggest stars the successful uh, right. music and i think a lot of our big stars today would be in that same boat someone's working on beyonce's lyrics to make sure they're okay yep. and someone's probably crafting most of her music does that mean we're gonna look at her in the same way as we do elvis you know 50 years from now or are we going to say you know there's a a time and a place where that sort of thing was elevated as what we were looking for it's not the fault of the yeah. artist no for for being in that space i don't know we're going through this and we're giving our opinions so we can be snobby if we don't if we don't like it <laughs> <laughs> true um i guess before we forget we do need to pick a couple of tracks for our spotify playlist yeah and maybe in that we can talk then about what we like from this list oh that's a good idea why <laughs> we should do that <laughs> As you're listening through, did, did it surprise you, the, the sounds that you were hearing on these very short 12 tracks? <laughs> no, I, I think, again, not being an Elvis aficionado, I was expecting more of that kind of <laughs> kind of stuff, like very deep, very animated stuff that yeah. he, is more of his signature that I think comes a little bit after this. There's a little bit of it here, but not quite as much. And as he gets into like... I think my stepdad had one or two albums of like the gospel stuff that he did. And a lot of, you know, in our, yeah, my grandma, too. right. Our upbringing, maybe not the early stuff, but some of our family members would have been okay with his gospel music because that was like, Oh, we can listen to that. And it's right along the lines of whatever one, what some of the top Christian artists in the sixties and seventies were producing. So that was the only thing that I again I preconceived kind of I thought I'd hear a little more of that and it, it's a little bit of a younger, more simplified version of Elvis. There wasn't anything that really surprised me. 
A lot of it is similar to what we heard on the Sun Sessions because, again, some of it comes out of that same recording sessions. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing was, again, the the covers of the very popular or what I think are well-known songs by Ray Charles and Little Richard. Um, that kind of surprised me. I, I forget, too, sometimes that Elvis comes out of like the country and western kind of era, too. So like Blue Moon is... Uh, Blue Moon had been written in the 30s by Rogers and Hart, which was a very, a very successful and popular songwriting duo. So I know Blue Moon and Blue Moon's been done and, and by jazz artists, Sinatra, everybody has done Blue Moon. MXPX. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, buddy. <laughs> now that you've said that, I'm going to be obligated to, to put a clip in here. Enjoy. That's Everybody, right. I think I think we threw it on. <laughs> Where was the uh, Blue Moon on before on this list? Uh, Sun Sessions. Oh, it was same, okay. I was same, thinking another artist same recording. That's <laughs> recording. And I think we talked about uh, MXPX is on the cover album on that episode a long, right. long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I can still remember. Um, I, yeah, I echo a lot of what you were saying there, Mike. I think um, the sound wasn't too surprising to me. I it had a tinnier early recording sound then i was okay uh i couldn't be surprised by that you know mid 50s that that was that's the case it's not bad it's not it's not uh and it's not like as uh, as quaint or clunky as the robert johnson stuff but yeah you hear it you hear it sometimes actually one of my favorite tracks i think is is trying to get to you which is a bit more country yeah, it almost does have that sort of like singing into the cans kind of quality to it. I don't know if it's the pace or or what kind of mic he's using or what, but I think that stood out to me there. Given um, given the sounds that stood out, do you want to pick some tracks here for our Spotify playlist? I mean, Blue Suede Shoes is a standout. Okay, that's probably okay. I will pick that one because I think that's the one for me that really stands out. Okay, my. Runner up is I Love You Because. And this is like one of the ballads. And this was also in the Sun Sessions. So it's one that comes just earlier. Some of some of the lyrics on some of the older stuff get like can be problematic, especially some of the relationship stuff is like, uh I don't know. <laughs> you know, we don't really <laughs> view relationships or view uh, the men talking about or treating right. women like this you know that's not appropriate anymore but i do like this right. one especially you know the, one of the last lines i love you for a hundred thousand reasons but most of all most of all i love you because you're you <laughs> sometimes it's kind of like i imagine just elvis is just my friend saying that to me <laughs> and i get up in the morning yeah. and i go gee gee thanks elvis i really needed that uh <laughs> <laughs> even though he's talking about a woman but like it it is very much more the psychology of of caring and relationships that is more common today i'd say in the last decade or two than was earlier and i think it touches on that a little bit and with so much of the music especially i mean even to this day obviously but back in the day you know you know uh, she had beautiful blonde hair and she wore this dress and she looked like this and you do this and she, you know, she cooks well and <laughs> like all this stuff. And this is very different than that. Uh, it's very sweet and it's, and it's innocent <laughs> and it's like not, not offensive at all. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really like it. I, I just really like that. It is not, I think the song that most people would turn to musically on this album. Uh, but lyrically, yeah. I really liked it, and it was. And lyrically, I think it's very different than a lot of the other stuff. Just kind of this uh, young male clambering love, uh, chasing after this yeah. dame. This is this is a lot deeper than that, and I like it. So, anyways, <laughs> not the song I'll pick, but probably my favorite lyrically. What about you? I yeah, that's funny you say that. Um, I was. Um sad that we didn't have the uk release in front of us because uh i'm left you're right she's gone i think was my choice <laughs> way back when we did the sun sessions yeah for sun sessions yeah <laughs> so uh, we could have done something really meta there and put two of the same songs on the same playlist Jeez, uh, <laughs> uh, just as, as a nod to this weird album that has a whole bunch of tracks we've already tackled but um i'm gonna 
I'm going to stick with the one that uh, I feel the most drawn to that trying to get to you, um, which I think is yep. a nice comparison to blue suede shoes to show the bit of diversity that is on this album, a sort of mm-hmm. slower country number to go with a upbeat, rockier opening and track. Yep. I like that. All right. Well, they're added. Perfect. So when you listen to this, <laughs> and we talked about how much it's influenced everybody and and influenced rock. Is it is it relevant for today? What do you think? No, I I think this fits into that category of an important historic thing to be aware of, especially if you're in a rock band to know sort of your origins, but right. not really relevant. Uh, certainly not sound wise. Um, and I, yeah, and the I more agree. you sort of pick at it. Uh, lyrically, it's a bit clunky. It's not his music. Um, you know, the list kind of goes on and on about the reasons it's not terribly relevant. It definitely sounds dated at times. It's important, and I guess that's a different thing than relevant. So I don't want to be quick to dismiss it, but no, I don't think so. How about you? I agree with you. Rock and roll, as I mentioned earlier, evolved so quickly and furiously in the 60s. Yeah. A lot of those albums that we've reviewed from less than 10 years after this I find are still very relevant but I don't find that this is and a lot of the sounds the the, the instruments are the same but the sounds the way the songs are performed I think that probably the closest you'd get to it now is country and not modern country but any people who are still performing more traditional country music would be closer to this or maybe some yeah I imagine, you know, sometimes at a car show, you'll have a, a 50s cover band that does all, you know, like car music. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, right. You know, if you play that, you probably like this stuff, right? But um, no, I don't think yeah. so. Yet, although I don't think it's relevant, I will go ahead and say, and I'll go first on this one, that I do think I'm okay with this position, number 56 on the list, but couple things i want to say about that i'm okay with it being here based on the significance of elvis and the impact of these songs specifically although i would have preferred this higher than the sun sessions not to say that i want this to be higher than 11 (laughs) i'm okay with this staying at 56 but i don't think the sun sessions should be ranked as high Uh, i can't imagine why an album that we couldn't even find sales numbers for or good sales numbers for is ranked mm-hmm. higher than that artist's debut album that sold a million copies within the first nine months that it came out. And I don't understand even in the voting, you know, people who are on that list who grew up in the fifties and the sixties grew up when that music would have chosen, would have voted for an album that came out in the seventies and they might've probably gravitated more to his first album and not that collection of songs that some weren't even previously released. That still doesn't make sense. And you know I've been cynical about how they compiled this list. Even the the first version, which was supposedly all from uh, tabulations. And I really disagree with that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with this staying here. As long as the Sun Sessions is moved lower than this. Because I, I still have a problem with where that went. Uh, where that was um are you kind of thinking along the same lines there yeah i actually wouldn't have been too surprised to see this a lot higher um i'm okay very perplexed by some given elvis's importance at least the way that he sort of held up as this myth and legend you know why not put the king of rock and roll closer to the top of the greatest albums of all time i think yeah i think probably this collection of songs by an iconic superstar does deserve to be a lot higher on a list like this right you know we get into the nuts and bolts of like whether this question is meant for us personally you know this is not cracking my own top 10 but i'm i'm surprised it's here at 56 and not somewhere up in the top 20 at least two higher like let's get the sun sessions down there too um while we're at it (laughs) Uh, no, it's, yeah, yeah, I understand, I guess, some of the thinking there, too. But, yeah, somewhat strange. I will say this position does not sound logic, and it 
should have been higher. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree. And, and we've talked about that before that, you know, we were born in the eighties. We gotta, we right. gotta come back to that. There's probably a lot of people who said, Oh, Elvis, you know, he changed my life, you know, changed music. I love that. You know, and this for them should be top 10. And I, and I get yeah, that and right, I respect right. that. And, and again, it's so hard. We talked about relevance. Well, that affects us as, you know, the people, the two people giving the opinion here. That makes it tough for us to say, well, we didn't like it so much, so it shouldn't be quite as high. <laughs> you know, and that's obviously not fair. Right, right. Which is why you need so many yeah, different exactly. people voting. I would be okay with it higher if the Sun Sessions is removed. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> so we'd like to talk about if there's any other albums by this artist on the top 500. We've already mentioned the Sun Sessions came in at number 11, so very high on the list, uh, that compilation album, which was released in 76. And then Elvis does have one more album coming in at number 190. It's called From Elvis in Memphis, released in 1969. So we get to come back to Elvis one more time, a live version. And you know what? I think that may be appropriate too, because so many of Elvis's famous performances uh, were were live and i and i've heard people talk about you know aloha elvis aloha from hawaii and that was televised and you know that that's iconic and other performances he performed in vegas and that's iconic you know so i'm interested to hear a live recording oh anything else sir buddy before we wrap it up this was a strange one to do um we apologize if this wasn't up to our normal standard for the sound logic podcast <laughs> but i think it was an important uh one to wrestle with especially you know as we move through one more black lives matter movement uh here yeah. in the last few weeks yeah i'm i'm glad we tackled it. it it didn't go even as differently as i was expecting on the onset <laughs> of this but uh i think there's some good stuff there so we hope you enjoyed listening. Certainly, if you've, you've got something to say about it, leave us a message. Uh, you can go to uh, anchor.com and leave us a voicemail, or you can leave us a message on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, Instagram. We've got some stuff there, too. And like we said, you know, these are important things to talk about. We grow and we learn and we change through through dialogue and through hearing and listening to other people. Absolutely. What do we have coming up next time, Mike? Well, coming up next time, we've got album number 57, which is the return of an artist we've already talked about and we enjoyed so much. This will be Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. I look forward to talking about that. <laughs> and we thank you for joining us here. We hope you'll join us next time. And until then, take care of yourselves. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.